This is J.G. Hertz, the General Mar Talker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 6, Episode 25 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm John. And today we are finishing up our series on Psycho, uh, written by Star Trek writers Robert Block and Joseph Stefano, with a recap where we compare and contrast the book by Block to the movie by Stefano. So... We're going to make this episode short, and the reason is because it's 7.53 p.m. Central Time, and we are waiting for halftime to end, or for the first half of the Monday Night Football game to end, so that we can buy Star Wars tickets. Like everybody else. Priorities. Right yes. now, there's 5.58 left in the first. So Okay, we're good. We're good. Okay. We can get this recap done. Yes, for sure. Okay, so... Robert Block wrote the novel Psycho in 1959, uh, and you actually weren't here uh, for that episode. Um, no. So, so what what did you think about the novel? Uh, I loved it. I had never read it before, and uh, I found that it was it was really interesting because it was much more of a um, much more of a true crime story sort of feel to it than uh, than the the sort of psychological thriller that the movie was. Um, you know, I mean, it still had the aspects of horror and suspense and everything like that, but it was more, uh, you know, it was just like reading a, a detective novel where it was like, you know, going through and trying to, you know how the crime was done, but what are the particulars? Why are we still going with it? I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit, too. I, I had read it before back when uh, the Gus Van Sant cycle came out. You know, I figured that was a good as good a time as any to uh, read the, the book. And I, I thought it was pretty great. Um, what I like about it is is how it really it, it is just as scary as you know, say the movie. Not not to jump the gun, but yeah. um, it's it, it's a different sort of type of horror. It's more psychological, and you yeah. know the idea that this could happen, but also like you could be unaware yourself that you know. That this is happening to you, you know what I mean in terms of in terms of the psychology and and the multiple personalities and everything, and the fact that you know Norman was the killer, but spoilers, spoilers. Sorry, <laughs> should have should have said that up front, but he doesn't know it, you know. So that's that's one of the reasons why I I, I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, yeah, for sure, it was good. Yeah, and a year later. Joseph Stefano wrote a screenplay based on Block's book for Alfred Hitchcock's movie, Psycho. Um, what did you think about the movie? Uh, you know, what, what else can be said? It's, fa- it's fantastic and it's wonderful. And, you know, truly actually getting, getting into the frame of mind to realize how, sh- how short a production schedule they had, how quickly they turned this around to have produced this. I mean, like nowadays you'd hear about a movie by a big name director being done in a year. And you, I mean, you know, there are plenty of times where you'd be like, Oh, really? That's kind of fast. You know, like, don't you need pre-production for a year and then production, you know, and then filming for three months and then post-production. But 
for the movie Psycho to have been produced that quickly and be what it was is pretty amazing. That's true. It is. Um, it's it's really did define the genre in a lot of ways. Coming up at halftime, special debut, Star Wars The Force Awakens. So there you go. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> We're on target. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, you know, I mean, it, last week I said that the only other slasher movie which uh, existed prior to this was Blood Feast. I was wrong about that. Blood Feast came out three years after Psycho. So I apologize for that misinformation, but still watch Blood Feast because it's amazing. I forgive you on behalf of the audience, Mike. Yeah, well, I appreciate I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. You know, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean this this movie it really did sort of define that. But in addition to that, you know, it it just works on its own and it holds up. You know, it's just as scary. You know, now by by today's standards, as I'm assuming it was back in 1960, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, and uh, another thing that's really cool is, uh, you know, everybody knows that Hitchcock uh, had uh, contentious relationships with his stars when they were female. Yeah, uh, actually, with all of his actors, really, but uh, you know, women especially. But Psycho sort of jumps out, especially for the time period, both the book and the movie, in that. Uh, Mary Crane slash Marion Crane is not a straight up villain. She's very sympathetic and she's very relatable. Like everybody could understand having that moment of wanting to break away and I'll just do the wrong thing this one time and, but it's for the right reasons and I'll, I'll you know, nobody's really getting hurt. And, uh, you know, both the, the book and the movie really portray her very sympathetically. Okay, they've got they've got the, the the Force Awakens for just the normal thing up on on oh, my theater's oh, website. Oh, but oh, but but no, not. it's up. It's up for me. Go, oh, go, database go. error occurred. Go no, go. no database error occurred. Unable to connect your database. Oh no. Ah, uh, do you need to go? No, it's not working. They obviously opened it, and either everything's crashing. File name core slash eeconfig.php line number 208 is having a problem. <laughs> well, you got to be kidding me. Come on, fix that line. Unbelievable. It's line number 208. Ah. Well, here, here. How about, how about we pause this for now until we get this thing going? Because. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My wife just focused. texted me just effing record tomorrow. So we, we will okay. come back. We will come okay. back. All right. All right. <laughs> Bye. All right, so uh, it is now, well, 10.37 Central Time, so approximately 25 or 26 hours have passed Mm -hmm. since last Mm -hmm. we spoke. Since we had a meltdown. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Star Wars tickets. They went on sale, and it was kind of a mess. Um, Yeah. Fandango could not keep up. MovieTickets.com could not keep up. Apparently, the Alamo Drafthouse's website could not keep up. Correct. They could not keep up. Okay. So, so here, you tell me what happened. Last, last week we spoke, uh, you, I noticed <laughs> that there were tickets on for at least the, the, uh, the 7 o'clock show on 
Carmike's website. I was I was looking for the the Rosemont Theater, the Movie Co. Rosemont, uh, and you were looking for tickets at the Alamo Draft House. And as I as I noticed that tickets were not were on sale for the 7 p.m. on the Carmike website, you noticed that the Alamo Draft House was not working, right? And they had, tickets were up. They had opened up, and they kept, uh, you know, they they kept throwing a database error uh, every time you clicked on a Showtime. It started giving you uh, these database errors. The database error was on line two hundred eight in their yeah. eeconfig.php file because I took a screenshot because I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Um, and it was very stressful, Mike. I'm not going to lie; it was very, I very know. stressful. I know. So we so we departed. We departed and, and uh, decided to to pick this up today because what happened? What ha- what happened with you? Okay. So after after we hung up, what happened with you? Uh, fortunately, I had given a heads up to uh, Sean, uh, who appears on Words of Nerds every so often, um, and he uh, he and I are good friends. He lives close to the Alamo Draft House that we go to, and we were both gunning for the same show. We were all trying to like buy our own tickets because it was it was sort of like every man for themselves. And um, what happened was, I sent him a note, and I was like, "Everything's crashing. The world is over. I'm never going to see Star Wars. I'm crying. Uh, you know, I'm, I didn't have any hair to tear out, but I would have torn it out had I had I been able to." He and his lovely girlfriend darted over to the Alamo and bought the tickets in person and uh, said that he relayed back to me that it was the best decision because they were able to get all the tickets that they needed, uh, even though like the first three shows of the night were already sold out. And um, so I was able to get in uh, thanks to, you know, me begging him to include me in the ticket in the ticket block. But he said that the the ticket takers at the Alamo Draft House were on the phone the entire time with irate people, like people out of their minds upset uh, with them. And I, like for a moment, I thought about it and it's like, you know, yeah, we were all stressed. I can only imagine the awful night that ticket box office workers had last night. That had to be hell on earth for them. I, you know, it's guys, it's, it's a movie and we're all going to see it eventually. Like that's, that's what I tried to keep in mind was like, I'm going to see it. I might not get to see it when I want to, but I'm going to get there. It's going to be okay. I mean, to me, my my thinking as far as like seeing it, like I was never worried about seeing it at the seven o'clock show for, well, there's so many theaters and so many screens that surely, even if you decide on the day that you want to see this movie at 7 o'clock, you will be able to find a theater which is playing it. You will be able to find an open seat somewhere, you know? Yeah, it might not be the seat that you want. It yeah. might not be the most comfy seat you've ever imagined, mm-hmm. but you'll be there. Yeah. You'll get in. You'll be able to see it, for sure. But, you know, what I wanted to see, the reason why I was nervous is because I wanted to see the marathon. Uh. That was my thing. That is, I know, I know that you've you've said that you can't imagine doing that, and that you think it's crazy. I I'm Obi Wan that... on Dagobah, holding up my hands. Mike, don't go to the marathon. You're going to regret it. 
And and here's me looking at you like you are <laughs> flat out insane because I don't know what it is. You know, I mean, I, I go to marathons all the time. I'm going to a marathon tomorrow. It, tomorrow is Back to the Future Day, and I'm going to see all three Back to the Future movies. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like I do that like I, I do that five, six times a year at least, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I'm going to the, to the hunger games one. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I do, I do it all the time. I love it. I live for it. I mean, mm-hmm. I would say up until now, the best movie going experience of my life was the original Marvel marathon when the Avengers came out. How many movies was that in a row? S- six. And it was awesome. It was, it was so great. You know, we, we went out for breakfast in the morning and we went to the theater, and I mean, two sold-out theaters full of nerds, just amped up, waiting to see the Avengers. It was a great experience, you know. I, I went with 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 uh, Brandon and and my my friend Matt and my wife, and it was awesome. I mean, I I, I hope that this. I do. I sincerely hope, despite my admonitions and warnings, because I've done a marathon at home mm-hmm. on DVD. Mm-hmm. Of all six movies, and nothing made sense by the end of it. I actually, in days long past, when it happened back in 2005, I specifically remember there were specific moments in the movie where I, it just all became stream of consciousness, and I would pop back in. And I was like, wait, what happened? Was it? And this is, you know, by the time we got to Return of the Jedi, just not, the English language lost all meaning for me. So well, if, if you can do that, man, that's awesome. I just, I'm not... I am just not wired for that, and it's just wow, man. I, I've done it. I've okay. I did it when I think episode three came out on DVD. I'm pretty sure I did it then. I definitely did it. We we did a thing where okay, back before the Blu-rays came out, they aired all of the movies on. I think it was HBO in HD, and I recorded them on my cable box in HD and it was the only way you could watch them in HD at mm-hmm. that point. There was no Blu-ray, right? Sure. And there was this, you know, basically I had Comcast and Comcast was the worst, believe it or not. Was and, and is, Mike. Was and is. <laughs> I know, I know. I have it again now. But although actually, you know, knock on wood, since I've gotten it back, it's actually been really really solid for me. I haven't had any mm. issues. Oh, aside right. from a few customer service things. But <laughs> At the time, the service was terrible, and I was switching. I was like, "I'm going to cut my, my costs by get, getting going uh, with, um, you know, uh, Direct TV. I'm sorry, uh, Dish Network and everything like that." And the big thing to me, like the big thing where I just needed to like sort of like give up on this was that I wasn't going to have the movies recorded in HD anymore. So what I did was I threw a Comcast going away party where we had uh, cake and hats and and paper plates and everything. And I invited everyone over to watch all six Star Wars movies, you know, one through six. And we did. And it was it was great. And then just the other time, which was the best, the absolute best ever was at Celebration 4. Right. Mm. Um they showed all six uh, at like the day before the con started, and it was great. You know, the, I mean, it was all on, on you know DLP and everything like that. But the 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 only problem with it was they showed it in like this convention center, which 
had like light. I mean, it was not a movie theater, right? Yeah, it was sure. a convention center. So it was echoey. The seats were all level. So you had to like look over the person in front of you. And there was no light control until the sun went down just in time for Empire Strikes Back. So, I mean, that was fantastic. And of course, you know, the crowd was amped up like crazy because it was a Star Wars convention, right? Okay. But, but this right here, okay, not only just a new movie coming out. I mean, you could screw the new movie in, in a sense, right? Being able to sit down and watch those six movies in an honest-to-goodness movie theater, you know, just all in one day. Like, this is something that I've dreamed about my entire life. I go to see a lot of freaking movies. I went to see two movies yesterday. And, and before we recorded, and then I ended up at a third movie theater for we can get to that in a second. But yeah. I go to see a lot of freaking movies. This I think will be if it lives up to expectations, and I don't see why it wouldn't. Like the best movie going experience of my life. I've been looking forward to this for literally like twenty years. Okay, I, I mean the thing is, I, I I get it. I do. I I understand. I think that there is a significant portion of me um, that if I could handpick the audience that would be with me, maybe I could get as amped for it. But I just know I I have been scarred. I will never forget going to see – and it wasn't the first time I saw it. It was like the second or third time I saw episode two because I went to see it at this movie theater that has a premiere, like giant – legit screen you know it's like a two-story tall screen it's not imax but it's like they only ever got 70 millimeter prints and all of that type of stuff and we're sitting there and we're watching episode two and when jar jar came on screen it became fanboy chance to express hatred and it was it was one of those things where it's like i just want to watch the movie i get it i know people don't like certain characters i know people don't like certain things but here we are, and people still and I still remember going to see uh, uh, Return of the Jedi uh, back when the special editions came out. When we got to Return of the Jedi, um, it, like it became like a fanboy war between like the Fett lovers and the people that had had just about enough of it. And like that's what I'd be afraid of going to an in theater marathon. Is like who am I going to have to put up with here? Who's going to test my my Christian goodwill? To keep me from standing up and socking them in the face because I paid money for a silent movie theater. Well, sure. I mean, there's always the threat of, like, you know, audience distraction. But, I mean, I, I really haven't had that much of a problem with it. And I imagine and hope that people who are there, who are going to show up at 4 o'clock in the morning to watch The Phantom Menace are going to want to actually see the movie. You know four, what I mean? Four, four o'clock in the morning? Well, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's... I, I have a new baby. Four o'clock in the morning <laughs> sucks, Mike. It's an awful time to be alive. Four <laughs> o'clock is awful. I, I, don't, I don't get up at four o'clock if I can choose. I get up at four o'clock because I'm forced to, <laughs> not because I choose to. But, well, you have to... It, it has to be four o'clock in the morning because, you know, you've got six movies to get through before seven o'clock you know yeah i guess like you just you're never allowed to leave the theater or something well how long do they give you give you for like between movies for breaks 
Well, when I was timing it out, you know, when I was trying to figure out what time it started, I, I timed it out between like, let's say if you have like 15 to 20 minutes between breaks or be, between movies, right? Like yeah. whatever the the running time is, you know, in between 15 and 20 minutes. And I came up with, you know, 3.55 a.m. is when they would have to start it. So I'm guessing that we're going to get like 15 minutes between movies. Um I'm, I don't know if they're going to do a thing where they maybe do like five minutes between movies and then give us like 45 minutes like in between the two trilogies or something. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with that. I mean, w- one of the reasons why I wanted Rosemont so badly is because A, it has, well, A, it's the best theater that's doing it. B, it has um, assigned seating. And C, it has a restaurant and a bar upstairs. Nice. So, <laughs> okay. So yeah. So you know, I mean, I, I figured that that's that's a good a good pick, and you know, I was, but no one was getting any information about this thing. No one knew when it would start. No one knew. I mean, they announced the theaters that they were doing it, but no one knew the pricing. No one knew anything really. Mm. And so I was just like, well, I don't know. Aside from that, I need to be there, you know, and uh. I was looking like some of the the other theaters put up their things early, like River East, which is the that's the theater downtown, not the best theater, but the it's certainly the busiest theater in the city. You know, it's right in the heart of downtown Chicago, and they were doing the marathon for some reason. They were starting theirs at one a.m. I don't know what. I guess they're going to have like two hours worth of breaks. I don't understand yeah, it. That, okay, and and granted, they were always they're always expensive, but they were charging like sixty seven bucks for the thing. And I heard it was going to be like 50. And I'm like, well, I mean, not that it really matters. I would pay $100 to see this easily. You know, seven movies, no doubt. But I'd much rather pay $50 than 67. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, no, yeah. I'm like, I don't know how much this is going to be or whatever. So when people heard us, uh, you know, look and, and me look at my phone and see that this theater had tickets on sale for the 7 p.m. show, I freaked just as you were freaking, right? Yeah. So as soon as we hung up, uh, my I was like, I couldn't get through on Fandango. Fandango was a, a loss, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, my wife was like, you should just go to the theater. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You, you know, and she's like, call, call and see what they say. So I called and I'm like, hey, when are you putting tickets up on sale for the movies or whatever, you know? And and, and they said, well, uh, we they're up now. They've been up for half an hour. And I'm like, what? Oh, what? Crap. You know, and, and I'm like, yeah, are, can you buy them at the box office? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're here. And I'm like, okay. And I was on the phone. I was like, the phone kept on ringing and ringing and ringing. I'm like, oh, God everyone's trying this now, you know, I'm screwed. And this place is like a good half hour away, half hour, 35 minutes away. So my wife gets in the car with me and we drive down to, or up to Rosemont. You know, I bolt out of the car. There's like two people standing there and I'm like, Star Wars tickets, you have them? And they're like, yeah, uh, yeah, we got them. You know, it's seven o'clock show. And I'm like, what about the marathon? And they say, well, those are going on sale at some point tonight, but we don't know when. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, 
And what they did and what I noticed is like if you look at all the places that had them up for sale early, they were all either IMAX or XL or, you know, whatever, what Uh, they call in the the industry PLFs premium large formats ah yes where they charge more for doing their job i am so sick and tired of movie theaters <laughs> saying like come see a movie on a big screen pay extra money for this it's like no you're a freaking movie theater your job is to have a big screen that's the only thing you're supposed to do okay don't i'm not paying you more money to do your job movie theater oh that drives me up the freaking wall anyway um, and that's that's the the format that they had. That was the the only way you could just see it in movie XL 3D, and that's the only thing that they had on sale for seven o'clock. And they're like, yeah, all the rest of the tickets are going to go on sale later, but we don't know when. So I'm like, she's like, well, I could call you and you could come back. And I'm like, no, I'm here and I'm far away, and let me just wait here in the lobby, you know. So I went over and I bought a drink. Thank God they switched over to Coke because they got bought out by Carmike. They used to have Pepsi. Now they have Coke because I was freaking out about that too. Like, am I going to have to drink Diet Pepsi for 17 hours that day? (laughs) That would be the worst, you know? So anyway, I I actually said to the guy, I'm like, oh my God, you switched to Coke. Thank God. And the concession guy's like, I don't understand. You you have some problems, dude. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, And he walked over to the security guy and he was like, that guy over there. Keep an eye on him. Yep, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so I just sat there, you know, and like looked at Twitter. You were very helpful sending me tweets about how far along they were in the football game. And right? that was an awful football game. For anybody that doesn't watch, <laughs> that doesn't normally watch football, if you tuned into that game and you were like, what is this football all about? I'm watching for Star Wars. I guarantee you. Other teams are typically much more competent than the the S show that was on television last night. Not my team, but other teams are. Yes, yes, I heard it was rather sloppy. It was one of the worst halves of football I've ever seen in my life. They were distracted. They were waiting to find out about Star Wars. (laughs) Exactly. They kept checking on on the (laughs) sidelines. Is it up yet? Is is the half over yet? I don't, I, I don't even know. Um, so yeah. So once you said like the half's over, and you're like they're gonna air the trailer now, and then then I'm like okay. And you know people were coming in like there wasn't a line or anything, but people were coming in every few minutes to buy tickets for this XL screening, you know. And uh, so I go up there to kind of like see like ah uh, you know I went over to the automated kiosk to see if it was up and it wasn't. And then I, I walked back over and uh, the box office person kind of like, you know, she gets off the phone and she looks over at me. She was really nice about, you know, keeping me in the loop and everything. And she's like, uh, 10 o'clock, they'll go on sale. The half ended at like 9, okay, my time. So she's like, 10 o'clock, they'll go on sale. And I'm like, okay, cool, uh, 10 o'clock. And I'm like, I'll just wait, wait it out. You know, that's this was like 9.15 when she told me that. Yeah. So I just kind of wander around. They've got D-Box at that theater, so they actually have like a a D-Box demo where you can sit and watch like a trailer. So I watched the Hunger Games trailer in D-Box, and you know, I'm all for movie theater gimmicks, and I've been wanting to watch a movie in D-Box. I've just been waiting for the right movie, but boy, that does not 
work at all. It's, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I'm just hung up on the fact that D-Box sounds like some sort of insult I'd hurl at somebody. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's where it's, I am. It's definitely true. It's definitely true. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just like a different form of receptacle, you know? <laughs> it's true, you know? Box, yeah. bag, Who whatever. Cares? <laughs> Uh, it's just a fancier version of <laughs> they sell it at the high end stores in downtown Chicago. Yeah, the second run theaters have D bag theaters. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh so you know, I did that and I was just kind of wandering around and then at like nine forty five she looks over at me and she's like, Okay, they're up. And I'm like, all right, you know, so I get up there and I'm like, okay, I need five tickets. Can I get these seats right here? You know, front row of the stadium seating and everything like that. And I'm still, I'm waiting to see what the price is going to be, you know? Yeah. And then they're like, all right, you know, it's, it's $30 a ticket. And I'm like, really? Because you charge like, yeah, because it's like, you're charging $20 for your Excel thing. You know, for an extra 10 bucks, you can get six more movies, you know? At That's... this theater, just to give you a comparison, 2D is $12, and 3D normal is 16 So literally, for like an extra 14 bucks, you get six movies. Yeah, no, those prices are comparable with, uh, with the DC metro area. Yeah. yeah, it's not bad at all. I mean... You know, maybe the individual prices, I know that's going to sound like shockingly high to, to some people, you know, I mean, because I've seen, you know, like the list of like average ticket price in the country and stuff like that. And, you know, we're getting screwed, John. I'm just letting you know. Oh, I'm completely <laughs> I'm completely aware of that fact. I have a friend who lives in West Virginia and he's like, oh, my gosh, I had to pay eight dollars for my movie. I was like, go to hell. Just just right to hell. Yep, yep. You know what movie was uh, the first movie that a lot of people had to pay $5 to see? Star Wars? Return of the Jedi. Oh, Return of the... Well, I remember that they instituted a 50-cent price hike at Regal Cinemas when Phantom Menace came out. Because we were camped out for tickets, and we all had money in our pockets and everything. Which I still don't know why some... (laughs) enterprising criminal didn't just show up at the line it was just like guys seriously just hand over the money and nobody gets hurt but anyway and the manager came out and said well when tickets go on sale tomorrow uh it's going to be 825 a ticket we were like and it had previously been like 775 or like that night if we had bought a ticket it was going to be 775 and they were gouging us they knew that we were all there and we were like you guys are jerks so you know i I, I was I was very happy, got my ticket and everything, and then now I can finally relax for the next two months, right? Came back home and uh, watched the trailer, you know, but, but before that, I was looking around to see just kind of like what the climate was like, because I had some other friends who were talking about like, well, I'm trying to get here. The big theater here is Navy Pier, Navy Pier IMAX. They have 70 millimeter, although they're not showing it in 70 millimeter. I looked because I'm like, well, I want to see it there at, at some point. I looked, and as of last night, they're showing it around the clock, you know, 1 a.m., 4 a.m., 7 a.m., 10 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m., 7 p.m., 10 p.m. for the entire weekend, and then going to a normal schedule after that, 450-seat theater. And for every single show through December 27th, they're completely sold out. That is insane. I know. That is 
crazy is it? Well, I, isn't the stat, didn't they release the stat today that uh, the pre-sales broke all records by like eight times as much I, as previous or something like that? It doesn't surprise me at all. You know, it's I mean, crazy. This is this is easily the most anticipated slash pre-bought movie I can possibly think of. Yeah. It's really interesting comparing it to how it was back in 99. Yeah. Because that was a big deal. I mean, I they announced it, when, and it was only a week before. It was mm-hmm. the, the week before is when they went on sale. And I remember waiting in that line at yeah. McClure Court, which was the theater to see it, for seven and a half hours just waiting. Oh, yeah. I, re- I, I still, gosh, I still remember camping overnight with my girlfriend at the time and Met some really interesting characters in that line. Some That's how very the very interesting uh, people. The the Chicago Force, which is the Chicago fan group, it was founded in that line. It was the people waiting in that line who uh, start, started it up. You amazing. know, they still exist today. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. So yeah, and 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 then we found out today that there are going to be some seventy millimeter re- releases in two D, which is exactly how JJ would want it to be seen, based mm-hmm. on you know comments that he's made. And you you guys are getting one. I'm so jealous. But the one in the district, correct? Yeah, at the yeah. National Air and Space Museum. Well, the thing is, we have two National Air and Space Museums. The here. Lockheed Martin one. Lockheed Martin is. Uh, that would be, yeah, that would be in D.C. because there's the one at Udvar, Udvar Hazi. Uh, I don't think that's called the Lockheed Martin one. Maybe it is. Maybe I just don't know my own area well enough. But that's the one that I, that's the IMAX theater. Udvar, Udvar Hazi is the one I, I went to for Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Into Darkness. Like they are the legit IMAX theater that I go to because I despise going into the city. I saw Inception there and that was a straight up 70 millimeter print. Yeah. So maybe they will wind up getting it. Maybe. I mean, yeah, there's 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 a list. Um and the closest one to us or one of the closest ones is down in Indianapolis, you know, Drew who's down in Indiana. He's like, "Oh my god, I've got the thing. You don't have the thing this time <laughs> up in Chicago. You're going to have to come to me." So we're working that out. I think I'm going to take a road trip down there to to see it in 70 millimeter. You mean it's watched just about every format, Mike. But to see 70 millimeter, you're going to have to come down here. You're going to have to come down here. No, but it's true. I mean, like, that format more than any other. I mean, this is like, this is probably the only chance I'm ever going to get to see it in this. This might be the only chance I get to see it in the full aspect ratio. Mm -hmm. And you know what that means to me. But like that. And then I do need to go out to to see it at the Hawthorne here to see it in, in Dolby Vision, the laser projector. Because this one actually is mastered in Dolby Vision, so it's going to take full advantage of the colors and the the contrast of the laser projector and the so lens I, flares. The it's, the lens flares is going to be awesome. <laughs> I can't wait for that. So that I definitely need to see it in that format. But yeah, it's it's exciting. But okay, so you know, I mean, we're talking about this a lot, but it's by like. Yeah. A million Star Trek creators. You look at that poster, mm-hmm. and basically every name on that poster are people who worked on Star Trek, right? Because so, they thought that was the closest they were ever going to get to make a Star Wars movie. <laughs> to make a Star Wars movie. And now they're making a Star Wars movie, and now we've seen this new trailer. And I take it you've watched the trailer. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah. Okay, all right. I've seen it, I think, four times. Um, what What are your thoughts on the trailer? Uh, I... I 
was overjoyed that uh, he that the lens flare made it into the trailer as a sort of finger in the eye for everybody who gave him crap. I did enjoy that. Uh, I liked the uh, Falcon at warp slash Mm -hmm. hyperspace because the first time I saw the the warp effect in Star Trek 09, my reaction was, oh, that's that would actually that's kind of like hyperspace. That looks kind of cool like that. Yeah. Um, Although I hope he doesn't use the sound that he did for the Enterprise at Warp, but uh, you know, not like it's not like I'm going to throw down my popcorn and say that's enough, good sir. I'm walking out of the theater over something like that. Um, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting to find out that um, Kylo Ren doesn't need his helmet to live uh, because when he walks into frame to uh, fight with Finn, he ain't wearing anything on his head. And he's yeah. got his his hair flowing in the wind. That I mean, that's a revelation in and of itself. Where it's like, oh, okay. Um, Luke was conspicuously missing, and a whole lot of Han love, which is all right. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, um, but I, I, you know, and Matthew said this, and I agree with him that this is the first trailer slash promotional piece where it feels like it's declaring, yes, Daisy Ridley's Ray is the main character. Like, she is, this is her journey. Everything else we've shown you builds up to this. This is her story. I, I'm, I'm not convinced of that. I think could, it could very easily be uh, John Boyega's character. Really? You think Finn instead of her? I, I mean, he's the one with the lightsaber, you know? She's the one that figures most prominently on the poster. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I know it, it, it'll be interesting to, to find out. I do also want to say that I was very disappointed that uh, in the scenes where she's swinging around inside a Star Destroyer, there was very obviously a lot of CG in that, and I was promised more practical effects. So I, I feel a little betrayed by that. I'll get over it. But uh, like any true fan, I expected them okay. to build an entire empty Star Destroyer for her to swing uh, around in. Okay. You, you know what? <laughs> you need to come back. I mean, look, you need to come back down to reality because I was just watching freaking episode two and those people are walking on a freaking computer. Okay. Yeah. There's a difference. There's a difference between, you know, not using CGI, you know, whatever, and feeling like you're actually in a real place and mm-hmm. say what you want. But the fact that there isn't a single frame of, you know, Return of the Jedi, or I'm sorry, Revenge of the Sith, you know, that was shot, like, outdoors, like, aside from, like, plates that the guy who made, uh, uh, what's it mm-hmm. called, uh, Koyana Scotsy or whatever it was, shot, you know, for them, like, like that's ridiculous, mm-hmm. okay, that's mm-hmm. straight up insane. I, I, but <laughs> see, this is, this is what you don't understand, this is, this is where you're, 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 I'm just sticking a finger in the eye of everybody that's been Nonstop. I mean, the drumbeat about the whole practical effects thing, I get it. I know the marketing pullback, the blah, 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 blah. It's so tiresome by this point that I take it's, a special joy in being an ass about these things. I, I really do. The, the, fact, the fact that it's, you know, that, that prominent, I think, speaks to how bad of a job they did with that element i'm not saying anything about the movies themselves but you i mean i think even people who love those movies have got to admit i mean this is not a sin city scenario where they're going for some sort of stylistic thing this was a guy who straight up thought it was good enough and i think 
the world has spoken. No, it wasn't. You know, and I think that episode seven is proof that no, it wasn't. You know, because mm-hmm. as much as I love that stuff, there's no reason why every single clone trooper should be CGI. That's straight up ridiculous. It it doesn't it doesn't bo- work. It, it doesn't, doesn't work at all. It doesn't bother me either way. Okay. That's the mind blowing right. thing. Is it doesn't bother me either way. <laughs> okay. I just have fun getting under people's skin about the whole thing because right. I've had for six months now had to listen to this whole practical, 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 practical. Okay, okay. But it's true. And so I'm sitting there with shots going CG, 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 CG. Okay, okay. Just fine. having fun with it. But does it does it look like CG, 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 or does it look like, you I know? don't know. I don't know of any super weapon that fires red lasers in real life there, Mike. Okay. Okay, but is it that you know that that's not a Those real X-wings thing a because they don't exist, or is it that you don't know that you know that that's not a real thing because your brain says that looks like a cartoon? Okay, I, that's you know, the difference. Obviously, I've touched a nerve, so I'll just walk away at this I, no, point. No, 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 I'm not. I touched I, a nerve, I, Mike. It's okay. You, you haven't touched. What a was nerve. your reaction to the trailer? My reaction to the trailer was, you know, a that it was super cool, but b that it was extremely JJ. Yeah. Which I I loved about it. You know, I kept on thinking just like you, like, oh, yeah, that's shot straight up out of, you know, into darkness or whatever. And the warp effect, I think, to me, was super cool because, yes, it was like something right out of Into Darkness. But also, it takes the elements of hyperspace that we've seen in mm-hmm. Star Wars and it puts them together in a way that we've never seen before to make a new effect, which is like, oh, God, I mean, that to me was like, I think my favorite shot in the entire thing. I'm like, look at what he did there. That is so cool. And the yeah. fact that it, it, it did it did feel like a, a Star Wars movie, but at the same time, he put his directorial stamp on it, I thought was awesome. And now I really can't wait to see what episode eight looks like with Ryan Johnson, you know, sticking like a camera on the ground and like rolling it across the floor on a skateboard or something like that. But in a Star Wars episode, I mean, that to me just sounds like the most amazing thing ever. And I, you know, episode nine is just going to look like a, like all the other ones, I guess. Right. I mean, I, I still haven't seen Lost World at the, or <laughs> I have seen Lost World. I haven't seen Jurassic World at this point. Mm-hmm. Lost World's a terrible movie. I haven't seen Jurassic World, though. Anyway. Yeah, so so that was my, my feeling. Like, this is really, I mean, you know, I get the impression that, that you know, th- this is going to be a J.J. movie, which I was afraid. I was afraid it was just going to be him mimicking... Lucas's style or whatever, and it's not. It's his own thing. Well, I, I mean, think that's great. It, Lucas was all. Lucas was good with both, um, both Kirshner and Marquand. There, there's different types of camera setups and movement. Uh, yeah. as, you know, in both of those movies, he always let a director be their own person. And I'm not yeah. saying like obviously Disney is producing this, Kathleen Kennedy, all of that sort of thing. But I would be disappointed. If I saw a Star Wars movie where there wasn't some sort of different either camera movement or editing technique or something different about it, each one has some new element that comes into it and functions as a part of the whole. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah? Uh, Yeah. All right. Okay. So that was our adventure. 
That yes. was what we've been up to the past day, as I'm sure everyone else who's listening to this probably was too, you know. But let's let's move back to Psycho briefly. You know, yes. I, we've already gone over time, and I know it's super late for you, John. Yeah, so, um, so yeah. Uh, okay, let's compare and contrast these things. Okay, I mean yeah. we've talked we've talked them to death, um, but yeah, I mean, do you, what do you see as being similarities and differences between the the Psycho movie and the Psycho book? Well, I'll I'll stick with the differences. The differences are that uh, obviously Stefano compressed the backstory so that it would work in a film, as opposed to like the book can spend more time talking about um, Mary and Sam, you know, meeting on the cruise and the long love affair that they've had and everything. Long and, by like three days. Well, yeah, but I mean, like in terms of story development, <laughs> okay, it, it takes right. a bit of time to get through that bit of story, whereas Stefano is able to compress it all into a scene. And yeah. that's very that's very important. And he still brings over all the important elements. The one difference that really uh, jumps out, and I, I, I spent some time, I didn't, I haven't gone back and read through or rewatched anything, so I could be completely wrong here, but Mary Crane versus Marion Crane I was like, why would you do that? And the only thing I could think of was because Janet Lee was not expected to be killed in the movie, spoilers, by giving her a different name in the credits, it would if if somebody had read the book, they could say, Well, I know Mary Crane, but who's Marion Crane? Was that the sister? And so it can sort of take the set the audience a little bit more, you know, in an unexpected fashion for Janet Lee to be killed. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Who who knows what the the reason behind that was? You know, I mean, it could have been just they they liked the way it sounded better. You know. Yeah, who but knows? but Stefano compresses what he needs to compress and still conveys the book. Like you, at the end of the movie, you don't get this feeling of the of it being substantial. It, if you watch Jurassic Park and then you read Jurassic Park or vice versa, it's one of those instances where. Like Crichton's book and Spielberg's movie share some touchstones like character names, but like they're completely different entities. The movie does not spoil the book and the book does not spoil the movie at all. Whereas these are close enough together that they are, you know, uh, of the same, uh, you know, story development and, and character development. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it is, I think, a really good adaptation in the sense that it, it's it's true to the book. You know, I mean, it, it it's it hits all the beats. It tells the same story. It has the same point and all that stuff. It is very much a solid adaptation of the book. And one of the things which I think is really interesting about that is that, like we've talked about, the book is very much a book. You know, it, it, it relies on the format and it relies on the medium and it tells a story which you really can only tell in a book. And the movie is very much a movie and it, it, it has the same shock that the book has, but it goes about it in different ways instead of, you know, having like a, a you know, quick line of dialogue like, um, you know, the knife cut Mary's scream, cut off Mary's scream and then it cut off her head, you know, like something like that where you're like, oh, you know, but, you know, the, the, the movie has that same sort of sharp, no pun intended, uh, uh, shock to it. But through 
the use of like editing and visuals and surprise, you know, and, and, and sort of like a more of a visceral thing. And, and I, I kind of love that. I also love the fact that, you know, it's playing with, um, the sort of, sort of like shock elements by having, you know, uh, the, the movie be told from, uh, Marion's perspective for the first, you know, half hour or whatever before switching perspectives that you know by doing that it allows sort of a misdirection and also you know doesn't sort of tip its hand to you know norman being you know the killer when that should be a secret and is a secret in the book because it's told from the perspective of an you know unreliable narrator and everything and i think that that's kind of awesome and it really kind of speaks to the idea of adaptation and what it means to adapt a work for a different sure. medium and how it's not just about getting everything the same beat for beat. It's about figuring out what that story is about and how to make it work in a, as a different, in a different medium. And I think this, this does that extremely well. I think both are very yeah. effective and both could only exist as their own things, you know? If you were to do a yeah. novelization of Psycho, the movie, it would not be nearly as good as the book itself is, you know? Yeah, and, I agree. And if you were to do a, you know, line-for-line line Maltese Falcon-style adaptation of the book, it wouldn't work at all, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's pretty much it. We spent most of the time talking about uh, Star Wars, but you know what? Everyone else is talking about Star Wars, so uh, you know what? Why should we be any different? Yeah, you know? That, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, and we spent the past month talking about Psycho, so, you know. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, any, any any final thoughts on Psycho or anything? I, You know, honestly, uh, I I could understand with how much Psycho has been adored and loved through time, why somebody would be like, uh, you know, I'll get around to it. If anybody is listening to this that hasn't watched it, watch it. If anybody is listening to this that has seen it but hasn't watched it in a while, it is a it is a layered and wonderful movie. It's worth watching again if you haven't seen it in a bit. And if you've never read the book, even if you've seen the movie, the 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 book is darn good. It's really darn good. You should pick it up. It's a good read and uh, you know, makes you want to leave the lights on at night. Yeah, I agree. The the book is good. The movie is great. It goes well beyond story. I mean, Alfred Hitchcock's contribution to that movie is immeasurable, but uh yeah, I mean, read the book because it's it's really good, but if you're only going to do one thing, watch that movie because it's one of the best movies ever made. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been fun talking about Psycho and Star Wars The Force Awakens this week, but that's not the only thing we're talking about here on Trek FM. So here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. And they've added something completely new and fun. I don't think anybody would have ever thought, you know, before this, uh, you, you, you can't you can't fix perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know, but I'd say that they made it more perfect. Earl Grey. Daddy, 
Do pets have a Nexus 2? <laughs> the Pexus. Kirk had a, a dog in the Nexus 2, didn't he? Oh, uh, Butler. Butler. Butler is now <laughs> Shadow. So we have the adventures homeward bound of Butler, Porthos, and Spot. Will they make it back to their owners in Montana? The orb. If he had like a game card, his power, you know, like would be higher yeah. than any other captain for the, their persuasion power. You'll be like, damn, I was winning. And then he went and played a Cisco card on me. The ready room. Someone pointed out that this is actually the shortest title of any Star Trek episode. It's shorter than Voyager's Q squared by half a character because the two is superscript. <laughs> We're number one. We're number one. <laughs> to the journey. It's fake intimacy. Thank you. It is them trying to say Jacote knows Janeway so well that just by fiddling her com badge, he knows the crap's going to hit the fan. <laughs> Commentary, Trek stars. Here, here, here's a quick question. Uh, is the Blu-ray the correct aspect ratio? The aspect ratio, you've opened up a can of worms, okay? I'm just telling okay. you right now. The... I know that I have, but the thing is, it's because of you that okay. I even cared. Okay. The 602 Club. I think you've uh, hit something here, and I've never thought of it this way, but the true savior of the galaxy, it's not Obi-Wan, it's not Luke Skywalker, it's Aunt Beru. Literary Treks. Reagan's a great guy to bring up because his dad was this raging drunk. Mm, and, yeah. uh, you know, he had to sort of drag him in on the, off the porch at night because he'd come home, like, falling down drunk. And, you know, you think of... And here he was, this kind of great man for the country at the time. Uh, but he came from a place that was really kind of dark and also very relatable. Women at Warp. <laughs> infinite diversity and infinite combinations even though it's not necessarily always realized that that we're we're looking at it through the the lens of our time but that ideal is there and striving to 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 be better and to be more inclusive is is such a, a noble goal and introducing metatrex for Odo, the instincts are so powerful, they sort of override every other factor, every other value, every other choice that he has. And I think that's the point of this, this view of determinism, that all actions that look like they're freely chosen are really just instinctive behaviors of one, in, in one variety or another. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for our listeners to find the show as they search iTunes. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm.
If you want to contact us, you can fill out the form on trek.fm slash contact. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can look on the sidebar of the show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. You can find the network on Twitter at trek.fm. You can find the network on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. You can also find the Babel Conference on Facebook. Just type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at trek.fm and click the discussion tab on the menu bar. John, where can people find you on the internet? Well, they can find me on Twitter at Castle Junkie. Uh, you can also find me uh, on a weekly podcast known as Words with Nerds uh, that I co-host with my friend Craig. It's on uh, iTunes and uh, Stitcher and whatnot. I'm also now a contributor on a site called showvote.com uh, where I'm doing a book and TV and movie reviews. Uh, right now I'm focused on the Star Wars books, obviously, and uh, uh, Star Wars Rebels Season 2 where I'll be contributing to the site. Excellent. Pretty cool. Uh, as always, you can find me right here on Trek FM doing this show uh, as well as Standard Orbit with Drew for another, like, eight episodes. And Tune in can, while you can. <laughs> and you can find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com where I do Commentary Trackstar Babies. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K or you can find the show on Twitter at ComTrackStars or you can email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring commentary, Trek Stars, and all of our shows to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. John, what do you have for us this week? Well, uh, many people may not realize that Robert Block actually wrote a sequel to Psycho. It's he called Psycho two. 2. Well, yes, he did. He did write 2. But we'll we'll kick you off with Psycho 2. It's narrated by Paul Michael Garcia. And the summary is, You remember Norman Bates, the shy hotel manager with the fatal mother fixation. Now, years after his horrific bout of butchery, Norman is at large again. Breaking free from the psycho ward, he cuts a shocking swath of blood all the way to Hollywood, where it so happens they are making a movie about Norman's life and crimes. A movie that suddenly and terrifyingly becomes a lot like real life. That sounds pretty cool. It does. And uh, go to Audible because uh, you can't get a copy in print anymore. I looked. Well, there you go. Yeah, and and, and you can get it for free on Audible since you listen to Trek FM. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trek.fm, and we thank Audible for supporting Commentary, Trek Stars, and the network. All right. Well, you know, we're talking a little bit about Force Awakens today, or a lot, or whatever, and uh, come back here on Christmas Day, where we will have a uh, a whole episode about it, uh, since it is a film by J.J. Abrams, and we've looked at all of his other movies, you know, we're certainly going to look at that one as well. I think it's only fair. (laughs) Yeah. Now that we've got our tickets secured, you know, we can uh, definitely... See, we were doing that for the show. For the show. There's nothing we won't do for the show. Yeah, we needed to get the tickets so that we could see the the movie so that we could talk about it. Only reason. Only Only reason. reason. Yeah, it's not like I really wanted to see Force Awakens. I just, you know, <laughs> had to for the show. But whatever. 
<laughs> but be sure to come back next week uh, for our sixth season finale. Thank you.